Tuesday, August 15th, back from Las Vegas. I'm happy to report I've got all my limbs. I've got all my organs. Didn't wake up in, you know, a bathroom with my kidneys removed and a note that says don't get out of the bathtub or anything like that. Um, the kids' college tuitions have not been lost, although it was not a successful gambling trip in Las Vegas. And a good time was had. It's good to be back with you, though. I missed you. Thank you so much for being back here on the Plus. It's the Damon Bruce Show, and it's wonderful to have you back once again. We got a lot to get over here today, a lot to go over from the Vegas trip. And I just want to start with something that is permanent. And there are no results of any preseason game that should be interpreted or deciphered as permanent. I mean, come on. It's practice. It's football practice. What is permanent, though, is Allegiant Stadium. And the Las Vegas Raiders, and I'm going to tell you, you can be as upset you want that the Raiders left Oakland. You walk into that stadium and you'll be like, okay, I, I guess I get it. Uh, Allegiant Stadium's got a little bit of everything. It's absolutely gorgeous. And more than any other dome I have ever been in, there is more natural light inside of that dome than there are, what, in most outdoor stadiums. I mean, I didn't feel for a second like, ah, this game's being played indoors and football shouldn't be played indoors or anything like that. Like, it was really, really nice, and the natural light in there is outstanding. Um, you also need to have a dome in Las Vegas because, look, I landed on Saturday night, and my plane was a little late to get to Vegas. You know, you always got delays and whatnot. And the minute I got curbside at about 10 p.m., it's 98 degrees at 10 p.m. I mean, the amount of heat that is going on in Las Vegas, I, good luck trying to put a baseball team in that town. Oh, my God. Um, it, it, it's blistering hot. And since this is the new normal, blistering hot and increasing temperatures should be the only thing that anyone who's trying to plant a flag of sports in Las Vegas should be preparing for. Um, it is scorching in that town. But look, I my buddy who flew me out there, who is going to be a, a primary sponsor of post-game and Damon when we get to uh, the regular season and we start doing some real post-game live, uh, it, it was Great to see him. He hooked me up with some VIP seats. And I I'll tell you, the, the place is gorgeous. The only thing it's lacking in there are actual fans of the team that calls that stadium home. 49ers fans outnumbered Raiders fans. And this is a conservative estimate, 10 to 1. It might have been 12 to 1. It might have been 15 to 1. But that was an absolute red out going on in that stadium. There aren't many Raiders fans in Las Vegas. And if there are, what they're doing with their tickets is selling them to whoever is willing to buy them. And that's usually the out-of-town fan base. The Raiders will never, ever, probably ever, never have an actual home field advantage again. And this is something that Mark Davis has already talked about, for goodness sakes. Um, the eternal LED flame that they light for Al Davis very cool. I mean, they really nailed it on that. It's really, really well done. The place is full of awesome. Wasn't full of Raiders fans. <coughs> there was no, th well, at least where I was sitting anyways, there was, 
there was no threat or element of violence about to break out. Like, what is a 49ers Raiders game without a fight between a couple of fans? I don't think there were enough Raiders fans in there to put on a fight. I mean, if, 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 if every 49er fan would have just physically attacked the Raiders fans in there, it would have been a bloodbath. Uh, I, it was, it was embarrassing how little silver and black there was in that building beyond the seats that you're sitting on and the way Allegiant Stadium is constructed. It's an awesome stadium. It's an awesome stadium. It's going to be a terrible home field advantage for the Raiders going forward for the rest of their existence. Um, So that's permanent. That feels permanent. Um, The Niners went in there and got outworked on the line of scrimmage, they got out physical, and not a single player of consequence suited up for the 49ers. We really know that. Um, but you don't want to get worked on the line of scrimmage. That's never good at any level. It's never good in any level of preseason practice, joint session practice. It doesn't matter. You never want to get outworked on a football field. And the Niners got outworked. Um, in any level of the depth chart, you don't want to be outworked because the other team is deep into their depth chart as well. So it it wasn't great. It was not a great day cloaked in glory for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Trey Lance, uh, all I can tell you is that if you are a content creator who is completely married to the fact that it's only the 49ers holding Trey Lance back. You just don't know what your eyes are on. You don't know what your eyes are on. Trey Lance's start was poor. He got a bit more comfortable and executed the things a little bit better as the game went along, but he's just not comfortable on a football field. It's easy to see that he is not comfortable. And this is beyond the pressure that he felt around him. And he was under pressure. I think he ran himself into some pressure, his inability to make a decision with the ball. Um, he, he he definitely took a few sacks that I don't think another quarterback would have taken, but he's out there and you can see him processing. And if you can see your quarterback processing the field right there, you're in trouble. I'm not saying that Trey Lance should be traded or thrown out or needs to go, but dude, Sam Darnold is a better ready-to-play quarterback this coming football season than I believe Trey Lance is going to be able to turn himself into. Um, it, it, you know, I, I saw that Greg Papa had a video saying that I think Sam will be the number two. Look, he's probably heard some things just being around the team to go that public with it. You know, he doesn't want to be on the wrong side of history. So I don't think he'd be coming out that loud about a controversial topic. If he didn't feel that he had some real ground underneath his feet on that topic. Um, And he also has, what do you call them? Oh, eyeballs, eyeballs. You can see that Sam Darnold is better equipped to function in Kyle Shanahan's offense this year than Trey Lance is. And Trey Lance has been dealt a bad hand of cards since he got drafted into the NFL. The whole thing for him to really be successful at this point in time in his career, it needed a smooth start. His smart start and entry into the NFL has been anything but smooth. It's, It's been rough. It's been rough on him. Uh, I I do feel bad for him, but you also, more than anything else, have to look more comfortable in year three than he looks under any of the circumstances that brought him to year three. You can go around and look at some of these other preseason games, and you can look in quarterbacks who are you know on their depth chart, 
and they just look more comfortable than that guy looks because they had collegiate careers. They had enough reps at the professional level where at this point in time, they just look a bit more professional. So if you are planting your flag deep, deep, deep on top of Trey Lance Mountain, I, I don't know how long your flag is going to be flying there because I'd be stunned if he were the backup quarterback week one and it looks like Brock is all systems ready to go, cleared to do everything. And Kyle probably needs to throw him out there Saturday when preseason game number two comes along because, you know, you you want to just get him back getting some real reps. So I think they will play Brock a little bit. And then you get him off the field and you don't play him in, in game three. I know I saw some, some Niners fans are saying, look, you know, Andy Reid's got Patrick Mahomes out there. And what I think Andy is doing is playing the preseason backwards. I think you saw his starters in week one. Probably we'll see less of them in week two and not at all in week three, where Kyle has always approached it a little bit differently, where no starters go, then a few starters play, and then in week three you'd get the most amount of run. It's just different philosophies from a coaching standpoint and how you want to get your guys ready to go in the regular season. So it's, it's, it's a different set of rules that – other coaches have from other sets of coaches as to how preseason should be approached. Um, we'll get into what is my only real actual concern from this preseason game in just a moment, but let me begin uh, right now telling you about the sponsors who, by the way, I saw Ike in Vegas. We went to dinner. We had a very romantic dinner together. I'll tell you all about it here in just a minute. But if you're looking for a delicious lunch, you go ahead and you order Ike's right now. You can do it on the app. You get a rewards program if you do it on his app. You can get delivery. You can order pickup. Uh, do it on the app, and you will be happy. Ike's delicious sandwiches, two new premium sandwiches that you got to check out. The Wagyu pastrami, he's got what he's calling the best vegetarian sandwich that has ever been created, and people love it. It's actually doing tremendously well, and, and uh, you know, it, it, I'm going to try one of these things eventually. I swear to God, I am. But I'm also trying to shed a few pounds here, so, you know, maybe the vegetarian sandwich is the way to go. I can't believe I just said that out loud. What a different person I have become. Uh, the person that I've always has been, though, loves a good glass of whiskey. And boy, you're going to find yourself one when you pour out of a bottle of blackened whiskey. You're going to want to pick it up at BevMo. It is great on its own. It's great neat. On the rocks, put it in a cocktail. It is delicious whiskey at an approachable price point. You get yourself a bottle of Blackened, and you will be very happy that you did. And love, indeed, to Uncle Boys, who I hope had a really good weekend. I saw an awful lot of people, Plusers, commit to giving a little business to Uncle Boys after they had a break-in last week. And what you do when you give your business to Uncle Boys, you get a delicious cheeseburger from a San Francisco original in the inner Richmond. And get the lumpia, try the onion rings. Uncle Boys, baby. Uh, they, all three of my sponsors, are executing very, very well. And I have to thank you for executing so much love for this channel, which I, we're not even, what, 12 weeks, 13 weeks old? This is still all brand new. And we have eclipsed 7,000 subscriptions. That happened over the weekend. So thank you. Rolling a seven. In Las Vegas, I appreciate that very, very much. Thank you all. Thank you for growing the podcast, which is exploding, and good things are happening. And again, we haven't even gotten to football season when everything starts to blow up for real. So I'm very, very looking forward to it. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you all for uh, seeking out the adult in the room. 
And, and we'll get to more of that in just a little bit. My only concern for the 49ers coming out of Vegas is, look, you don't want to be out physical at any level. Is that a reflection of the quality of this team's depth? Maybe. But look, they were built to be top heavy at every single position that they did not even bother playing in in, in pregame week one, preseason week one. So, you know, calm down. There was a starter out there, though, that did not execute, and that is Jake Moody, the rookie kicker, you know, facing zero field goal, zero pressure field goals. I mean, maybe the lights are on and you're in an NFL uniform and doing it in front of a stadium, but look, this guy kicked field goals in front of a stadium that holds twice the amount of fans that Allegiant Stadium holds when he was in college. So kicking footballs in front of big crowds is should be no big deal for Jake Moody. Uh, he missed his field goals. I don't like that. That's not good. There's no way to even say, nah, it's fine. It's not fine. It's it's not fine. That's not good. So w- we won't start scoring good kicker, bad kicker until week one, but that's not the first impression that I don't think anyone wanted to see, and it's certainly not the first impression that he wanted to make. Now to the positives. Because that's really my only concern, that and getting out physical to the line of scrimmage. But, you know, we can live with that for now. Remember, none of this matters. And anyone who's trying to sell you the X marks the spot of any preseason good performance or bad performance just does not know what they're doing. Luckily, I do. Um, Jair Brown, the rookie safety out of Penn State, he can move. He can move. He can tackle. I like what I saw out of him. Uh, Ronnie Bell, the wide receiver, could definitely have some room for him on this roster. He looked like a good player. Marcelino McCrary-Ball is a player for sure. The linebacker looked fantastic. And I got to tell you, just so you don't think I'm a pro-Indiana honk where I tried to squeeze in the kid from Indiana is a good review. I'm just using my eyes, watching him run around the field. He moves very well. He flows to traffic. He He's, he's going to be a good player this year. I really think so. Um, I want to talk about the Raiders afternoon. Just from a Raiders standpoint, they got to be really happy what they saw out of Aiden O'Connell, who I saw at Purdue when he was the Boilermakers quarterback. And look, in every way that Trey Lance did not look natural on a football field, O'Connell did. It's This is what comes with reps and opportunity at major colleges. And reps and opportunity were far and few between. And with all due respect to North Dakota State, that ain't major college football. Not even close. So what do you know? The kid who slung it around the Big Ten for a couple of years, got a lot of reps, looked pretty good. The same way that the kid who slung it around the Big 12 for more than a couple of years, Brock Purdy, kind of stepped on a football field and impressed everyone. Whether you want to speak Trey Lance into existence or not, you you can't dismiss how comfortable Brock Purdy looked so quickly in his career when you compare it against anyone, much less Trey Lance. Big-time reps at a big-time college will make your entry point into the NFL more comfortable. That's just the way it goes. Aiden O'Connell looked pretty good, and... I wouldn't put too much stock in it. The 49ers and Raiders are operating in incredibly different spaces this year. The goal for the 49ers is nothing short of hosting the NFC title game. It's a very lofty goal for any team to have it as, as it enters the regular season. You know, we're already talking about winning a playoff game if the goal is to 
host the NFC title game. That's the goal of the year for the 49ers. The goal for the Raiders, if we're just being honest, is to not finish dead last in their own division. I still don't think the Raiders are going to be as good as the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chargers may be. And watch the Broncos get a little bit better under Sean Payton. It just feels like it's going to happen. The Raiders' goal should be to not finish last in their own division. That should be the team's goal this year. And I'll tell you, I'm not trying to undercut what I've seen or what they should be, but Josh McDaniel has a team to build, a culture to build, and what I saw out of the group that played, you know, and again, we're deep in a Raiders depth chart. When's the last time deep in a Raiders depth chart like ever whooped some butt? They they did. If you're Josh McDaniel, you got to walk away with that game against the 49ers feeling good about how physical your team looked, how in control they looked. Uh, they weren't drawing penalties. They weren't their own worst enemies. They pushed the 49ers around. And it was a good day of Raider football for a coach and a team that is looking to, again, establish a culture that just does not produce a lot of winning even since arriving in Las Vegas. It was a good day of Raider football for sure. So we'll see how that team looks once the bullets start flying for real. We're all very, very interested in what Jimmy Garoppolo will do, but I'm going to tell you right now, Aiden O'Connell looked pretty damn good. He did. He really, really did. If there's one thing that I really hope the 49ers take away from their trip to Las Vegas is that this week would be a spectacular week to get Nick Bosa into their locker room, onto the field, into the huddle, and starting to take some snaps and 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 play real life football. Uh, big time, big boy football is almost here. Okay, it really is, and the 49ers need their biggest boy in their locker room back in their locker room. There is almost a zero, it's a guarantee of zero regret on the deal that you're about to give Nick Bosa. You know, so he got hurt. That would be unfortunate, but that is the deal with the devil that you're making with every big football contract that you can hand out. There is no person on that field that is, you know, just not in danger physically. Anyone could be hurt at any time. We've seen it with Nick Bosa. And all I can tell you is that that's just the price of doing business. The price for him is biggest contract in the history of defensive football. Give it to him. Get him in the camp now. Quit monkeying around with Nick Bosa. He's needed. And I think you need him in there this week. If he is not in there this week, then there might be something to worry about not just beyond football negotiation, but playing football and him being ready to go week one. He's got to be out there. Meanwhile, let me just tell you about Vegas. It had been a while since I've been to Vegas. I, I went out in December for the uh, Indiana-Arizona game where my Hoosiers got clocked by the Wildcats. Um, that was a good time. And I tell you, every single time I look at Vegas, there's something new there. I mean, that town just never stops growing. Um, I... I it, 
I always tell myself, well, I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to go down, see the sphere. And then it doesn't happen because you spend time in a sports book at a blackjack table and you're not going to go all the way to that property. Um, so I, I did get a little lazy and I didn't go see the sphere and I probably should have shot a lot more video. But the truth is, is I spent most of the time half drunk and I don't want to be on half drunk on video. That can't be good for the brand. Uh, or, or maybe it is, says the guy who's got, you know, bottle pull Friday as part of the, uh, you know, feel of the show. Um, the post-game sponsor for post-game and Damon bottom line bets is a tout service who picks a lot of winners. And if you are going to go a gambling, my man, Stefan has got some really, really good gambling advice. I saw him cash nothing but winners over my stay and hanging out with him. The guy's got a knack for it. Uh, you got to have all the numbers that you crunch and then you got to have a gut. So bottom line bets is a place to start checking out. And when we get to the regular season, I'll be talking more and more about them. I had Fortin breakfast. It was great to see Joe Fortinbaugh. Uh, we had a great breakfast together in Paris, uh, in Paris. Yeah, we went to Paris, uh, the, the casino Paris. We went to the Mon Ami Gabi Gambi. I, was, I, I don't even remember the name of the restaurant, really. It was French in Paris. Makes sense. Uh, delicious breakfast, beautifully appointed restaurant. And Joey and I had a great time hanging out, catching up, man. He's doing so well for himself at ESPN. And now that they've, what, acquired Penn National or whatever, Penn National's acquired ESPN's branding. Look, I don't know if that is a deal with the devil or not. But Joe Fortenbaugh covers the deal with the devil that is gambling now just being a part of everyday conversation around sports on ESPN. He does it better than anyone. So I'm happy for Joe. He's doing well. His family's doing well. Uh, the kids are doing well. We talk an awful lot. Of, we talk more about our kids than we did our, our careers. Um, but Joe is doing well. He's going to be in middays on ESPN radio. So he continues to climb that ladder. Uh, good for him. Great to see Joe. I stayed at a hotel I'd never stayed at before. I stayed at a place called the Cromwell. The Cromwell is next to the Flamingo, and Paris was right across the street, so it was easy to get to Fortin breakfast. Um, the Cromwell is unlike a lot of the big casinos that are just sprawling many acres, several towers. It's a little boutique hotel. It's operated by Caesars. And it's nice in there. It's where Dre's is. So at night, that place starts popping off because Dre's is famous for being the after-hour club that you know all the cool kids want to go to. The Cromwell was hopping at night. It was nice and calm in the morning. One of the things that I think I, I really liked about it is it appeared to be a non-smoking casino. The rooms were well-appointed. They were very sexy. I was sad that Jillian couldn't have joined me. I mean, people love having hotel sex in Vegas, right? We would have loved it. There was a bed that was big and bouncy with nice cushioned headboard. I mean, it was a beautiful room. It was really a sexy room. It's a sexy hotel. And if you don't want to have to walk 17 miles from one end of your hotel to another, it, it was perfect. I recommend the Cromwell. Recommend it highly. Uh, dinner 
at STK. My buddy Ike was out there. Your buddy Ike, our friend Ike, was out there. We had our second most romantic dinner in Vegas ever. And let me tell you, if you're going to go to dinner with someone, go with Ike because everybody in the food service business in Vegas, because he's got three different Ike stores in Vegas, knows who he is from the bag. And he was also shooting a commercial or video or something that day. So he was in his full Ike's regalia. He wasn't just wearing a T-shirt. He was in the vest. He had his head polished. He looked great. The Mater D comes running up and it's like, you're Ike. I love your sandwiches. I love your sandwiches. And, and I'm like, well, I'm a sandwich. I'm Damon Bruce. He's like, I love your sandwich. He's like, I got a menu on my refrigerator and your name is right on the top of it. So uh, we got styled out. We got a seafood tower. We got some ravioli delivered to the table. It was delicious. It's They, they put so much just complimentary food in front of us that by the time it came to like order steaks, I was more than half full. That's what happens when you're crushing shrimp cocktail the size of hockey pucks and lobster tails the size of hockey sticks almost. Um, so that was just all kind of laid out in front of us. Got some nice VIP treatment thanks to the, 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 the gloss of Ike just sitting down in a restaurant. And so I don't care how unmanly this is. By the way, cheers to all of you. What do you know? It's an Ike's mug again. I'm um, living dangerously with it not being capped, but here we go. Oh, sip of the day. Sip of the day. Um, dinner was fantastic, and we ended up splitting a steak and dessert. I can't believe I've reached the I get full so quickly. I have to split a steak portion of my life, but that's good. Again, we got to drop some pounds over here. Uh, and I guess you don't need to feel bad about that when you've stuffed yourself with ravioli and seafood. So what could have easily been like a $300 dinner came in at around 98 bucks. Ba-boom. Ba-boom. And that was my biggest win, by the way, in Las Vegas, because I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Wheel of Fortune was not kind to me. The only slot machine I will ever sit down and play. Dude, when you hit that spin and that wheel starts spinning, that's like the most exciting 30 seconds of your entire month right there. Um, but it did not spin enough for me. And it always just, oh, it's going to stop on a thousand. No, it stopped on 40 bucks. And so you piss that away as you keep on hitting max credit spins, max credit spins. But I played for a few hours and that's all I'm looking to do. But it was uh, it was not a great day at the, the Wheel of Fortune slot machine. And it was even a worse day at the blackjack table. And I got to tell you, this is where Vegas is officially getting over on people in two different ways. When I tell you to go to Las Vegas for five meals, that's the best amount of time to be in five. I might have to pull that back now to four meals because the price point of food in Las Vegas has ballooned since I was even there back in December. Like I got there late on Saturday night and just I, I didn't want a big meal or anything. I just wanted like a burger and some tater tots from Johnny Rockets. A burger and tots from Johnny Rockets was like 30 bucks. What are you kidding me? It's a C minus hamburger and they're freaking tater tots. So that the price points are ridiculous. Like it was right next to a place that was selling pizzas and the pizzas were going for like $65 for a 12 slice pizza. Food price is out of control. Cocktail price is out of control. Um, and what's really out of control is blackjack only pays six to five now. 
six to five. That's a ratio of three to two. So if you hit 21 on your first 10 cards, for every $10 you bet, you used to win $15. Now it's at six to five. Instead of being three to two ratio, it's six to five, which means a blackjack on $10, which used to pay 15, now only pays 12. These Las Vegas sons of bitches are just sticking it to you. Ah, oh, terrible. Freaking terrible. There's collusion going on here. How in the middle of a century worth of blackjack can you say, yeah, we're going to pay off blackjack worse than ever. Are you cool with that? And everyone's like, yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm just going to sit down and play. Dude, I, I, I used to spend a couple hours at a blackjack table. I spent a couple of hundred dollars at a blackjack table and was like, I ain't coming back. It would, dude, screw around with blackjack payouts, which they have. And by the way, this is every casino on the strip. If you want a full blackjack payout, I think you got to go down to Fremont Street or be playing at the Four Queens or someplace that you wouldn't even want to bury a dead body. Vegas is sensory overload. It was fun to have my sensories overloaded. It was nice to have a couple quiet nights in a hotel room. Again, I would have loved my wife being there, uh, but it was also nice to have a quiet room and not have kids walk in at six in the morning. That was great. Uh, Allegiant Stadium, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, really, really nailed it. Stay at the Cromwell. Don't go to Johnny Rockets. You're going to get screwed on blackjack, and hopefully the Wheel of Fortune will be better to you than it was to me. A little bit of baseball. By the way, it's the Duchess's last day in town. So we're going to go out to a little lunch here in a little bit. We'll have a quick club plus. But there are a few other things that I need to go over here because the Giants, the San Francisco Giants are being one hit through four innings like way too often. Every single time I look up or check a box score, the Giants are one hit through four or five innings like it feels every game this month. And that is why they are two and seven in their last nine games, Giants one through four hitters were one for 14 last night. You know, I think uh, we had a, a, a single out of Jacques Peterson. He might even lay down a bunt to get it, which you don't need him laying down bunts. But it was, uh, it, th th these are rough times for the Giants right now. Tampa's out here out mathing the crap out of Farhan's ideals. You saw that last night. And there's no rest for the worry because you got more Rays over the next two days. Then it's off to Atlanta, off to Philadelphia, and then you come home for more Atlanta Braves, and the Atlanta Braves can hit and cook. You know, they might set a major league record for most home runs in a season this year. Uh, the Giants have absolutely picked the wrong time to kind of start sucking again, and they're not playing well right now. But for Wilmer Flores, there is almost nothing going on one through nine in that lineup. The Dodgers, meanwhile, have won eight in a row and have basically sealed up the National League West to be theirs. The Giants are nine games back, and... None of this is about to get any easier. Per winning percentage against opponent, the Giants have the roughest August schedule in all of Major League Baseball as they're playing their worst baseball of the summer. Not good. Not good. Should have done more at the trade deadline, Farhan. Should have done more. The Wade Meckler era. Off to a bad start, but I will give this to Wade Meckler. 
Um, he drew a walk, which means he's been to first base more than A.J. Pollock has been to first base in a Giants uniform. So congratulations to Wade Meckler, the entire Meckler family. Um, the most interesting thing to happen in last night's game, honestly, was Dave Fleming served as ball boy for a couple innings. Did he pay off some fantasy football bet? I think that's what was going on. But outside of that, ugh, ugh. Look, I don't even know what to say about this story because we haven't gotten the details, but obviously there are enough details for the Rays and Major League Baseball to say, hey, Wander Franco, why don't you sit down for a little while? Wander Franco is not out here with the Rays because he might have a little bit of a wandering eye that has got him into hot water, and I don't want to speculate as to what this is, but he might have done things with a woman who is not in the age bracket an adult male should be doing things with a woman with i don't know any more than that but that is certainly the assumption that uh, social media is pushing out everyone's going mum's the word no official statement we're letting an investigation play out but that ain't good that ain't good one of the things that made me laugh the most from the topic of sports over this weekend was I saw the video of James Harden calling Daryl Morey a liar and he's never going to play for him again. Philadelphia 76ers, great job. Oh, man, what a mess they are. Daryl Morey and James Harden are linked together in their entire careers, right? The two of them have needed each other throughout their careers. So to see this nasty of a breakup happening in real time, kind of unexpected, but here we are. And I'll say this for James Harden. The only way it ends with him is badly. That seems to be the theme now through several franchises. And Harden and Morey have both been very interesting significant, unique NBA entities for well over a decade. And you know what? They're perfect for each other because as good as they are, as talented as they are, I feel very comfortable telling you neither one of them will ever do anything other than see a Larry O'Brien trophy. They won't be picking it, one of those up and holding it above your head like you, you just did anything. Neither one is ever going to win a title. I feel really comfortable saying that when it comes to James Harden and Daryl Morey. So in a way, they're perfect for each other. Too bad those two kids don't get along anymore. Guy named Taco Trey on Twitter said, when you think about it, James Harden has the deepest trade request bag in league history. He's gone. The, he's done the classic. Just give up. He's gone on the, uh, a party tour. He is slandering his own GM. He has turned himself into 25 pounds overweight. James Harden, when he's wanted out of a town, no one knows how to get moved on from more than James Harden. You can ask the Rockets. You can ask the Nets. You can ask the Philadelphia 76ers now. One of the all-time trade-me greats, James Harden. That is a tweet that made me laugh. Or a, a zeet, an X, I don't know. What? Can we just agree now to never call Twitter X, no matter what we're told? And I don't want anyone correcting, like, Dan, it's not even called Twitter anymore. Uh, yeah, X is stupid. I'm, I'm, I think I'm just going with Twitter. 
The one other story that I, I, I got to get to here is Angel Hernandez gets another call wrong. Uh, the call was to go ahead and sue Major League Baseball for racial discrimination because he felt he has inappropriately not been promoted to do a World Series game. Hernandez, according to an ESPN story, who was a story, was born in Cuba and hired as a big league umpire back in 1993, sued baseball in 2017, alleging that he was discriminated against because he had not been assigned to a World Series since 2005 and has been passed over for promotion to crew chief. Angel, look around Major League Baseball and you tell me if you see a sport that is racially biased against Latinos. What are you doing? So stop that. His appeal after his case was basically saying, no, dude, you're, you're not being racially discriminated against. He appealed that result and that has now been thrown out of court. Look, Angel, if you're watching, and, and you should be, this is this is good content. Angel, the reason why you keep on getting passed over is because your name has become synonymous in the public domain with bad umpire. You are bad at your job. You're bad at your job, and you can't dismiss how bad you are at your job as to, well, you know, it's just the regular season. We make a lot of mistakes and a lot of innings, and uh, and that's just the price of doing business. But I'll be better in the postseason. ESPN even proved uh, that he had three calls at first base overturned on video reviews in Game 3 of the 2018 AL Division Series between the Yankees and Red Sox alone. Like if you're an umpire getting three first base bag calls wrong in one playoff game, you don't belong here. There are very few umpires or referees in any sport where the case could almost be physically proven with evidence and receipts that this game will be better when you're not involved. Angel Hernandez, you're terrible at your job. That's why you haven't been promoted. Most people who are bad at their jobs, regardless of race, creed, color, religion, anything, don't get promoted. So what is reality is what is happening to you. Not, not, not anything to do with race. Like, come on, man, you suck at your job. And that's the problem. Now, before we hop into Club Plus, I just want to address one thing that, again, while I was in Vegas having a great time, like actually at a game, um, I got caught up in in what content creator controversy. Uh, all right, you know, look, here's the deal. I guess I am a content creator now because Radio Dunn screwed it up. The question was, who are you? I I never heard of this guy. Okay, okay. You never heard of me before? That's fine. You know, I, I, I guess you got here when, when Jim Harbaugh did because I, I go back to covering this team since before uh, all of you had Twitter, okay? I've been covering the NFL now for 18 years, specifically through the prism of the San Francisco 49ers. Who are you? That's who I am. You want to know who I am? 
I'm the adult in the room. You know what adults do? They make kids nervous. So I'm not surprised to see a lot of kids nervous that there is now an adult in the room. And I'm not here to take away anyone's ability to do business. You go ahead and create all the content you want, but I will ask out loud at times, is the juice worth the squeeze you're getting from that person? We have seen time and time again, just self-evidence, people explaining to you with what they say and how they cover the league that they don't understand what they're even looking at. If your premise is Kyle Shanahan calling six straight passes, he only did that because he doesn't want Trey Lance to succeed, you're out of your mind. You don't know what you're talking about or you're making it up just to be outrageous. I mean, I, it's one or the other. That's it. That's There's a two-way street there. You don't know what you're talking about because if you think of Kyle Shanahan in any way, shape, or form is doing a let's do a public survey to see who is the best quarterback and that's where my decision's coming from, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Or you know that that isn't true, but you're trying to sell it anyways. Here's what I will never be doing. Trying to get clicks. I'm just going to put what I do out there and we'll see who responds. And again, before we've even reached month number five, here we are, 7,000 subscribers. People are responding and I appreciate that. Some of y'all pretty damn soft, okay? Some of y'all just really need to sit back and take a couple professional lessons from a guy who's been in a profession of covering sports, not someone who entered it because they had a YouTube channel and could hit record. You know, are we on equal footing because we're all putting our content in the same place? Yeah, I guess that makes us equal, but don't, don't think that you bring to the party the level of experience that I do. And that's where my value lies. So you should be hitting subscribe and learning a little something right here. Adults make kids nervous because adults can see through inexperience like it's a window. And I see an awful lot of inexperience trying to pass itself off as experienced seasoned, I know what I'm talking about. Several of you prove you do not know what you're talking about every time you talk. Like, I don't have to call you out on it. You're proving it yourselves. So game on and welcome to your new reality. I'm in it. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you're listening on the podcast, it was great having you back here. And if you are on YouTube, stick around for Club Plus, which begins right now. In the meantime, please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it.